Welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Thursday edition of the Locked On Islanders Podcast. We have got a lot to talk about today, tonight, Game 6. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Game 6 between the Islanders and the Flyers is tonight, and the Islanders have their second chance to close out this series and finish things off. Islanders ahead in the series Three games to two, trying to get to the conference finals for the first time since 1993, but it won't be easy. The Philadelphia Flyers are a tough opponent. We will break down some of the things the Islanders have to change uh, in game six, especially as compared to game four and five, if they're going to finish out this series. And it's obvious that the team realizes they need to play better. We have a special Islanders birthday of the day, a sad Islanders birthday of the day. And we have a lot more coming up on today's show. If there's something Islanders related that's on your mind, feel free to email the show at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And we will be happy to talk about whatever it is that's on your mind if you Leave your name and where you're from. We're happy to mention you on the air when we discuss the topic or question that you've got. You could also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars N Y R V S N Y I. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news and notes. So, for the Islanders, yesterday was actually a day off. And I, I have to say, Lou Lamorello has to get credit for that. Here is a team that very clearly is a little bit exhausted, uh, that very clearly needs to sort of take a, a, a deep breath and clear its head. And I think they are going to get that. And having a day off is probably a wise thing. And one advantage to having Barry Trotz as a coach. He really seems to know and understand what his team needs at any given moment. And one of the things that he needs is to, you know, he reads the team. He understands their psyche. He knows when to give certain guys a push, when to lay off, when to, uh, 
make changes and who to insert into the lineup. And I think giving the team a day off after they've been in the bubble in Toronto now for a little bit more than a month and they've been isolated really, you know, since training camp opened up six, seven weeks ago, I I think it's probably a very good idea. We'll see how it pays off uh, for the Islanders when they hit the ice tomorrow night. Other Islanders news, obviously, uh, Matthew Barzal's status uh, late in the third period, a little less than five minutes left. Claude Giroux uh, got under the visor of Barzal. I don't think it was intentional. I don't think anybody accused Giroux of trying. He took a shot. The follow-through got him in the face near the eye. Obviously, some blood. I I don't understand why there was no penalty called on that. You know, intent is not part of the penalty, and clearly the stick caught him in the face, but no penalty was called under those circumstances. And then the other non-call, obviously, was uh, in overtime when Carter Hart held on to the puck and, and, and no call was made. That I could understand, even though technically it was kind of a penalty. But at the end of the day, you, you don't want uh, penalties like that or a ticky-tack call like the Matt Martin penalty in overtime uh, to decide an overtime hockey game. But to me, you know, five minutes left or a little less, you draw blood. You saw blood. Uh, on Barzal's face. Clearly, the stick clipped him in the face. Uh, I thought that should have been at least a a two-minute minor, probably a four-minute double minor, but, you know, the officials just reluctant to call that under the circumstances. No immediate updates were available on Barzal, who did not play in the overtime, but the Islanders are cautiously optimistic that Barzi will be available for Game 6. And I'd be surprised, unless there really is an issue with his eye and his vision uh, that would prevent him from playing, because uh, honestly, the Islanders definitely need uh, Matt Barzal to be out there and to play his best and to give them that offensive boost that they truly need to get over the hump in this game against the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, we'll talk more about some of the different things that the Islanders need to do. There is obviously that choice of goaltender. Uh, Varley did not have his best game in Game 5. He wasn't terrible, but he didn't play his best. And when you look at how well that you had uh, Tomas Grice play In Game 4, you know, it may be tempting for Barry Trotz to turn back to Grice. I don't think they will. I think they stick with Simeon Varlamov, but it's one of those things where you sort of got to keep your eyes open, see what Trotz is going to do, and obviously, you know, if Varley continues to struggle, he can go back to Grice. If Grice somehow gets the start and he doesn't play well, they'll go right back to Varlamov, but the Islanders right now do have the luxury of having two talented, sharp goaltenders available who are both capable on any given night of lifting this team up and leading this team to victory. All right, we're going to break down some more of the things the Islanders need to change in Game 6 
plus our Islanders birthday of the day and a whole lot more still to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. And if you want to keep your car running smoothly, you got to check out rockauto.com. You know, many uh, chain stores have different price tiers, one for professional mechanics and one for do-it-yourselfers. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they are reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible. Rather than changing the price based on what the market will bear like airlines tend to do, rockauto.com is for everyone. There's no membership required. You don't have to log on to an account. And it's a family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. RockAuto.com's catalog is unique, it's really easy to navigate, and you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand's specifications and prices you prefer. And they've got everything your car needs, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even a new carpet. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Alright, so the Islanders getting back at it, big game coming up, and I think Barry Trotz uh, had a lot to say. Uh, This was his quote as far as giving the guys the day off yesterday. Today we didn't do anything. We're going to take a little bit of a mental break from this. We've been sort of going at this for... Two months now, people don't realize that we've been in the bubble for five, six weeks here, but it started beforehand. We're pushing the guys to get to a place mentally so they can have some success. We've been through two series already, and so today is a bit of a mental break. We'll get them energized, and they'll be ready tomorrow. There's no question. I don't have any fear, and I'm actually enjoying today. So, Islanders getting there, and look, these are, th- we said beforehand, I predicted this series would go the full seven games, and these two teams are pretty evenly matched, and the Islanders really played their game in game one, in the final periods of game two, in game three, and intermittently in game four. Game five... The Islanders finished strong maybe in the last six, seven minutes, but realistically, most of Game 4 and all of Game 5 was more of the Flyers' style of play. And one thing the Islanders absolutely have to change is not giving the Philadelphia Flyers as much room in the neutral zone, and the forecheck just wasn't the same as it was in Game 1. The Islanders did a great job in the first game and in the latter stages of Game 2 and and throughout most of Game 3 of shutting down the Flyers, bottling them up in their own zone, and preventing them from breaking out with speed and with room and, and, and all of that. And they have to go back to that and do it again and make sure that the Flyers do not have room to maneuver through the neutral zone And the other thing is they cannot allow the Flyers' best players to start getting their confidence back up. You know, three of the four Flyer goals were scored in Game 5 by guys getting their first goals of the playoffs. James Van Riemsdyk and Claude Giroux are 
you know, two guys who the Flyers, if they get going, that's the heart and soul to a large extent of their offense. So they have to slow those guys down and, and, and make them feel the pressure to score again. The other thing is this. Varlamov has played very well. but And the Islanders have done a pretty good job of blocking shots. But too many of the Flyers' goals in the last couple of games especially have been deflections, screens, tip-ins, those dirty goals that we always talk about the Islanders needing to score. And the Islanders have to do a better job on defense of preventing the Flyers forwards from setting up in front of the Islanders' goal and distracting Simeon Varlamov or Tomas Grice from getting deflections, getting rebounds, uh, those kind of goals, and I think about the Giroux goal in particular, which was a spectacular play as far as the hand-eye coordination was concerned, but they cannot allow those kind of goals with any regularity. Maybe one a game, maybe, but you, you've got to prevent that, and it was really an issue for the Islanders, especially in Game 5. So, Hopefully, you know, that is something that the Islanders can do. Another thing they have to do is work on their breakout moves from their own zone. It was a real problem in Game 5, where too many times we saw sloppy attempts to get out of the zone, turnovers, either just inside or just outside the Islanders' blue line. Whereas in the games that the Islanders played well, They would make the smart, simple play to get the puck out of the zone, and better yet, get the puck out of the zone and transition smoothly to offense. So that has to happen. And the other thing that I sort of am focusing on, you know, the old expression in hockey very often is that your best players have to be your best players, especially in the playoffs when you're in a tough best-of-seven series against a very good team, and the Flyers, make no mistake about it, are a very good team. So the, the, the defense pair, the top defense pair of Polak and Pulak, they've got to be better. And the top line, Anders Lee, Matt Barzal, Jordan Eberle, they've got to be better too. And I talked about this a little bit on yesterday's show, that with about seven minutes left in the game, that top line had a total between them, the three players, of two shots on goal. And those numbers went up a little bit during, you know, late in the game and into overtime. But let's face it, the the points that that line scored really predominantly came on the power play. And the Islanders need more from that top line. I mean, the B&B line, the, the Nelson, Bailey, and Bavillier line has been probably the Islanders' most consistent line throughout the playoffs, and they're most dangerous. But, you know, Jordan Eberle hasn't scored a goal yet in this series. He does have four assists, but it's time for him to step up and start to put one in the net. Anders Lee needs to get into his office like he did in Game 4 and you know, muck things up in front of the Philadelphia goal, get those tip-ins, those rebounds, and those deflections. And 
we need to see more from Matt Barzal, assuming he's healthy, uh, that he can get in there and use his speed and use his playmaking ability to make things happen. And, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, they only had two shots on goal through the first 53 minutes of the hockey game, and that's not enough. But it goes beyond shots on goal. Those guys have to create chances. They have to create chances and make plays, and they're not doing it consistently enough. So those are a couple of areas that the Islanders really do need to work on. All right, we'll come back. We'll have our Islanders' birthday of the day and talk a little bit more about what we can expect in Game 6. Lots more to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Islanders podcast. Our Islanders' birthday of the day, Brian Spinner Spencer. Would have been 71 years old today. Spencer, one of the most popular Islanders on the team in their first two seasons 14 goals and 38 points on the Islanders in their inaugural season. And Spencer, nicknamed Spinner, for his hustle and his ability to hit and move like a whirling dervish from, you know, opposing player to opposing player, using his body to hit people, uh, really won the heart of Islander fans when this team and this franchise were just starting out and struggling badly. He was originally drafted in the fifth round by the Maple Leafs back in 1969, came to the Islanders in the expansion draft, had that one season, as I mentioned, in 72-73, was traded to the Buffalo Sabres late in the 74-75 season, and then was a member of the Sabres team that went to the Stanley Cup final in 74-75. Unfortunately for Brian Spencer, Uh, He was out of hockey by 1980, got into trouble off the ice, uh, apparently uh, a substance abuse problem, an alcohol problem, was involved with guns and had some criminal activity, went to jail for a while, and then eventually died, uh, unfortunately, at a very young age. But anyone who saw Brian Spinner Spencer play for the Islanders those first two seasons won't forget the effort, the hustle, the tireless work that he put in, even when his team was struggling as badly as the Islanders often were during those early years of the franchise, where, you know, 1972-73, the Islanders won 12 out of 78 games and set a new record for futility back then. So let's go back and look at one of Brian Spencer's bigger games, uh, November 21st, 1972, at the Nassau Coliseum, Islanders taking on the old California Golden Seals, Jerry Desjardins, the goalie for the Islanders, Marv Edwards, the netminder for the Seals, 11,037 fans on hand to see these two lower-tier teams go at it at the Coliseum. Seals scored first. Joey Johnston, his ninth from Rick Smith and Walt McKechnie, just 51 seconds in. It was a power play goal. Ken Murray of the Islanders was in the box for tripping. The Seals increased their lead to two to nothing on a goal by defenseman Dick Redmond, his third from Reggie Leach and Stan Weir at 9-12, and the Islanders looked like they were in trouble. 
But the Islanders did bounce back. Late in the period, Walt McKechnie headed off for tripping, and the Islanders went on the power play. Brian Lavender, his second from Lorne Henning and Brian Lefley at 19.38, and the Islanders were within a goal down 2-1 to one after 20 minutes. In the second period, the Islanders tie it on a goal by future NHL head coach Terry Crisp, his first Bill Mickelson and Brian Lavender with the assist at 1842. And after two periods, the Islanders and the Seals all even at two apiece. In the third, the Islanders take the lead. Brian Spinner Spencer with his third goal of the season. Tom Miller and Ed Westfall get the assists at 1242. That made it 3-2 Islanders. It proved to be the game winner. Insurance delivered by the captain, Ed Westfall, his eighth, Brian Spencer and Tom Miller with the helpers at 18.01. Final score of this one, Islanders 4 and the Seals 2. Multiple point games, well, Ed Westfall, a goal and an assist, and Brian Spinner Spencer, a goal and an assist, Brian Lavender, a goal and an assist, and Tom Miller with a pair of helpers. As far as the uh, plus minus was concerned. Ken Murray and Bill Mickelson were a plus three. And when you think about it, that's incredible because Bill Mickelson that season set a record for the lowest plus minus up until uh, that point. And he was, uh, would do even worse when he joined the Washington Capitals in 74, 75. Good guy, good player, but uh, had a rough time with the plus minus. For shots on goal, Craig Cameron led the Islanders with five. Lauren Henning and Billy Harris had four apiece, and by the way, uh, Jerry Desjardins with 21 saves, 12 of them, uh, well, 10 of them in the first period because the Seals had 12 shots on goal. So, uh, happy birthday to Brian Spinner Spencer. May he rest in peace. Uh, Looking back, November 21st, 1972, Islanders 4 and the Seals 2. All right, let's get back to the game at hand. And I think the Islanders will be ready. They do very, very often play very well after struggling in games like this. Uh, And I think that, again, Barry Trotz doing the right thing by resting his players and giving them a, a sort of a mental health day yesterday. Here's a quote from Jordan Eberle about this team, and they know they need to be better. You're going through adversity throughout the playoffs, and we'll be ready next game. We're going to bring our best because it's getting tighter and tighter, and obviously we want to close it out. And uh, here's another quote from Trotz. I'm going to say we need a little bit more. I thought our first period, they had a lot more desperation coming out of the gates than we did. I thought we stabilized the game. In the second, I thought we were coming pretty good. We got the power play goal. And then we made a couple of, I would say, questionable decisions, and they capitalized on their chances. That has obviously got to change if the Islanders hope to clinch the series. This is their best chance. They've got that final line change in this game. And I think, you know, you want to take advantage of that home ice advantage. And the other thing is, if the Flyers force a game seven, you know the momentum is squarely in their corner Right now, the pressure is much greater on the Flyers than it is on the Islanders. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with a full recap. Obviously, if the Islanders win, 
They move on to play the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Finals. If they don't, we will come back and preview Game 7 and get you ready for that. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. And, of course, let's go Islanders.